Hey, this is Aaron Bethune with We Write Stories, and if you really want to learn how to level up your life, you should be listening to the Time to Shine Today podcast with my great friend, Scott Ferguson. Let's level up. Time to Shine Today podcast, Varsity Squad. This is Scott Ferguson. We're at episode 313. It's actually the area code that I grew up in back in the day in Detroit, Michigan, but uh, lucky number for me. But we're going to talk to my really good friend who is a world traveler, he worked with musicians, are involved in the Grammys. Uh, just an absolutely phenomenal human being, Aaron Bethune, and he is the CEO and founder of the company We Write Stories, and they are going to help you get your story out there. Everybody has a story inside them. A lot of people want to tell it. They just don't know how. So from soup to nuts, that's what Aaron's company does, and I'm not going to explain too much more now, but if you have a digital note taker or just a regular pen and pad and you're looking to get your story out there, make sure you break it out. Because here comes my really good friend, Aaron Bethune, from We Write Stories. Let's level up. Time to shine today. Podcast Varsity Squad. This is Scott Ferguson. I got my, my boy, musician, rock star, uh, just a kick-ass individual, man, who I was blessed to be introduced to uh, through um, through. Actually, who did Ryan Stanley? Ryan Stanley, yeah. our, Ryan. our mutual friend. Absolutely, and I believe he does the uh, the t-shirts, the concert t-shirts. If I'm not mistaken, he does the concert t-shirts. Yeah. He's got a Fantastic social media guy. network now. Yeah, right. And squad, we got Aaron Bethune here, and Aaron is an adventurer from climbing in the Andes and making records to speaking around the world and working with celebrities, musicians, entrepreneurs, charities, government, and corporations. Aaron is always excited. To see life through a new lens, which he works well with our squad here at Time to Shine today. He's got the company Rewrite Stories, which we'll dig into a little bit as well in our discussion. But Aaron, thank you so much for coming on. Please introduce yourself to the Time to Shine Today podcast varsity squad. But first, what's your favorite color and why? Wow, for favorite color. Okay. Um, it's changed over time, but I would say it's orange. And if I don't say it's orange, my family would tell you it's orange. Ah, why orange? Um, you know what? I didn't know to begin with, but I'm really into you know graphic design and colors. And looking into it, I found out that orange is a color that represents creativity. Yeah. And supposedly, if you look at or the color orange, it actually gives you more oxygen. Oh, wow. I knew. Well, I have to remember <laughs> if you're out of breath, look at some orange colors in your yeah, So that's your why they had this, this huge uh, chain of workout places called Orange Theory. Yeah. I, you know what? There. I, love it. I wouldn't I love be surprised it. if there's a tie-in. And you are, uh, it's in your color wheel too, man. So you can rock some orange as well. So that's awesome. Not much really rhymes with orange, if anything. You know, being a musician, you know. Well, Eminem made it happen, but, you know, yeah. people might not. But let's get to the uh, the roots, man. Like the story of where you got, you've, you've lived a journeyed life, man. And and I, I have too, but so there's some parts that I, you know, vicariously live through you with jamming on stage and, and meeting the people that you've met. And also, but let's get to the roots, brother, and how you got started. Yeah, I appreciate asking. Um, well, I think the music side of me started when I was four years old and started playing the piano, decided that wasn't for me at seven. At seven, I started playing the guitar. From that moment on, I realized that there was going to be nothing else in my life that wasn't going to include music in some form and went to school for music. Started my first music company while in university, realizing that I didn't want to be like everyone else who was going to leave school and then work at the bank or something like that. Um, so I started a music company. Um, while I was in, in school, I actually um, 
booked Sly and the Family Stone's first tour of Japan. Um, and the funny thing about that was is that I didn't I didn't understand how to make money from it. So I was able to get myself in the position to make it happen, but not make money from it. In retrospect, I could have paid for my schooling just with the the gigs that I booked him. Wow. But uh, I essentially was, you know intending to be a musician myself as a living and realize if you don't have the business, then you can't, you know, you can't turn that into a career. I, I found myself getting interested in the business, getting good at doing the business. And uh, fast forward a bunch of years, I, I ended up, you know, working in every element of the music industry. I wrote a book that's used at universities as a textbook for the music business. Yeah. Um, you know, I went from living in a little village with four houses in the middle of nowhere in northern Spain in the mountains to, you know, later on being involved with the Grammys and artists that you've definitely heard of, as well as helping develop people that you've never heard of. And, uh, and through that process, I realized that no matter what role I played, I was always heavily involved in the personal development of people because if they wanted to become a star and they weren't yet, it meant there had to be some sort of change, some sort of personal development that would go on in order for them to get to that place. So no matter what I did, I was always involved in helping people develop. And then I started to realize that the music industry is a very small bubble. You just need to know you know, a couple handfuls of people and you're basically going to be networking with all the movers and shakers. Right. And meanwhile, the music itself affects people around the world outside of the music industry itself. And so I started to get involved with companies, organizations, sports, um, FIS World Ski Championships, um, ended up getting involved in working with the First Nations, so the indigenous um, in Alaska and the Yukon to help protect the, the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, um, ended up creating the music and culture ambassador role for the state of Mississippi, and basically started working with companies and brands to help them reach an audience because one thing that music does extremely well is help people to you know connect you don't have fans you don't have a career and meanwhile in other industries you know you can you can set a price point and compete on price point yeah. but with music you have to have fans so if you convert that same building of fans into outside of the music industry then you can you know create some incredible companies so i started getting involved with companies getting involved in advisory roles um, working with tech companies and in the process i started to realize that there were some similarities that I was seeing in these founders to musicians. Musicians start off super passionate about what they do, you know, support all around with family, saying, hey, come out and do your little dance in front of my friends. And then once people get serious about music, then those same people start going, well, maybe you want to get a real job. That's kind of a hobby. And all of a sudden, those people think, how am I going to make this my, my business? Sure. And they start to look at others, in, w in which case they start copying them. And if you want to stand out, you know, you can't really try and fit in. And so I realized that there was this, this drift away from people's passion in order to try and turn that into business. And the same thing was happening with founders, that they'd start a company because it was a needed um, service or product that was going to be changing people's lives. And then as they grew and they had, you know, boards of directors and had fiscal obligations, I saw these decisions being made from instead of that place of passion, a place from, you know, making fiscal decisions and obligations to the board. And all of a sudden, I was seeing people that were potentially successful in many ways, but un unhappy in others. And so having written a book, I, um, I went about writing another book and I took time away from the music industry and I found that it was a very transformative experience for me. I looked at the coaching world. I thought coaching is going to be the next yoga. People are going to start incorporating that into their monthly payments as, as a way to improve their life experience. I think the millennials especially see experience more important over ownership. And so having a guide, being a coach to be something that would actually 
become standardized in people's monthly payments. But I saw that coaches didn't really have a product at the end of it. So I thought, well, do I start a coaching company or is there something else? And I realized that the book is a framework to help people reflect, pause and reflect. And at the same time, an opportunity for us to create a product at the end of it while still having that opportunity to coach people during the process. So that's a bit of a, uh, I guess, a, from four playing piano to now yeah, helping man. people write books up and pen to paper. Yeah, thank you for keeping it interesting <laughs> and whatnot. Did, did you find in, in when you're maybe working with people to help level up, to be able to, like, I'm sure in the music industry, and again, I've been blessed to coach some high-level entertainers, um, what what do you find that the best, how they handle rejection? I think specifically in the arts, you're putting such a lot of your heart and soul out there that the pain of rejection can be so great that either A, people don't even try to put themselves out there or B, they do. And when they get that first rejection, they're kind of done for. Mm -hmm. And I think that at the end of the day, you know, when I've spoken at universities, I tell kids, I'm like, look, you're not going to not get better. You're here because you love music. No one has to tell you to practice. But if you don't work on yourself, then you're not going to be able to put that talent to the best use. And so my big thing has always been that rejection has, you know, it's, it's painful, but it's the greatest way to learn something. I mean, it's like in, in a business negotiation. If someone says no, now you know what they don't want but you also know what they might want. And in some ways, having the ability to, whether it's pitch yourself to a record label or a publishing company or a management company or whatever that looks like, an agency, you know, if they say no, it's so important to know why they say no. Sure. Because if you can learn what, they've, what it is that's stopping them from saying yes, then it's actually an incredibly useful tool to make the next step even more productive. And so that's the thing. Don't curl up in a ball on the floor. Instead, you know, get over that and move on to the next thing with the knowledge gained. Love it, man. That, that is the best. Like, use that rejection, that pain as a way to learn from and to level up. That, that's fantastic, man. So tell me, do you work with people one-on-one -on -one or are you more a group setting or what, what's your story there, Eric? So when it comes to these books, we actually have a, it's, it's, it's a team effort. Um, we've, we've created these different, I guess, names for things. But essentially, the first step is working with what we call a story explorer that essentially sits down with you, whether it's in person, over the phone, via Zoom. And what we do is we work together for, for about two and a half months, just looking at your life story, first from the 30,000 foot view, and then we zoom in to the stories that naturally appear because people always sort of, you tell them, like I just told you, tell me how you got to where you are. I just gave yeah. you some sample things. Yeah. And with that being said, um, you know, those, those highlights and low points are stories that we then revisit in the, sort of that zoomed in next step. So we get those stories that get the context then we zoom in further and we figure out what did you learn and how are those insights impacting your decisions today? And so that first process is one-on-one, -on -one, although we have a team of people that between those conversations, we are getting together as a group um, to ensure that we're all processing information, that we're you know knowing what the next steps are, that we're pulling out the outline and those kind of things. So it's, it's a one-on-one -on -one process, but with a team behind it. Okay, and so your team, the, the, the way it's mapped out, like what if, you know, someone comes in, they, they, they feel they have a story in them, right? And all of us do, you know, and, but what if, how does your team handle if someone comes and says, I'm just not interested? What if someone comes to us 
And they're not, oh, sorry, say it one more time. They, they, they feel that they're not interesting. Oh, they feel they're not interesting. Okay, well, yeah, that's <laughs> that's unfortunately what a lot of people, I think, feel. Right. If we all thought we were interesting, on top of that, a great storyteller, our lives would be amazing in many ways. Right. Um, so for us, that's kind of what we do. That's why we say we, we write your story for you and, and you know, without you putting pen to paper because it actually, in, in my opinion, sometimes it takes having someone see your life from the outside. And it's like... I tell people, even outside of books, ask your friends what they think of you. Like when they think of you, what do they think of? I mean, if, if you're in a situation where you're feeling you have nothing but bad luck and nothing ever happens for you, and you're telling that story to people who are then looking at you as someone who's always got bad luck and always feels like nothing happens for them, and that's being projected back to you to then reinforce what you already think of yourself, then at the end of the day, you know, that, that cycle continues. And so it's really valuable to have someone listen to your story and to give you feedback on it for you to then recognize your own story. Because one of the things that I think a lot of us, you know, don't get enough of is positive comparisons. And I say positive comparisons, meaning it's not a matter of comparing yourself to people on social media or people that you think have a better life than you, but also comparison, which is the positive comparison I'm suggesting is you still need to know where you're at. So for example, with musicians, a lot of musicians think that, you know, they don't put a value to themselves because they think what they do is so easy and so enjoyable that how could they charge for that? Whereas they look at the person who's the investor with the money as having everything. And at the end of the day, you know, you have to recognize what you have. And I'm talking about music, but whatever that talent is, whatever that thing in your life is, you need to be able to understand its value. And it's very difficult sometimes to do that. And that's why in the music world, it's, and I would say any industry, having someone that represents you is so important because they can see that from the outside and they can put that value to your work. And so, you know, when someone comes and says, I don't have a very interesting story, my thing would be, let's not say that. Let's... I- dive in (laughs) and let's find out what your story really is. And it's amazing how through that process, people start to go, Oh my gosh, I, I, I never thought about it this way. And wow, you're right. That, that has been affecting me all this time. And wow, I shouldn't think so much about that thing or give it so much importance or wow, I'm not giving enough importance to this thing. And it's like, so part of our process is we discover that story with you and then we help you tell it. And once you know how to tell your story, going back to that sort of cycle that I was mentioning earlier, mm-hmm. now all of a sudden you've got a story that you know well, which is yours, and now that's the story you start to tell. And that's where you can start aligning your actions with your intentions. And it's... Mm. Love that. Aligning your actions with intentions. So Aaron, when someone like, kind of comes to you and you've worked kind of through their purpose, finding their blind spots about the stories, so, you know, comes to your team... Is there any good question that maybe you wish they would ask you but never do? I, 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 the, the first answer is no, (laughs) because that would sort of suggest that there's a specific, there's a specific question that should be asked. The big thing, the big thing that we encourage and we create the environment for it is, is, and it's a word that I use delicately, and that's vulnerability. Because at the end of the day, whether you're writing your own book or in our case, writing it for you, you you need to be allowing yourself to be vulnerable, to really share yes. what your life has truly been. And I always tell people, I say, look, 
at the end of the day, nothing goes to print without your approval. So let's 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 take off those sort of boundaries and and you know guards, let them down, and let's just give this experience what it needs to make it great. And we'll worry about the editing in the editing stage. And at the end of the day, it's it's amazing. People will tell you things that don't make it to a book. And it's part of the experience, but that's also part of the editing. So it's not so much that there's a question I, I wish people would ask, mm-hmm. um, but we do set the ground um, for people to understand that there isn't really any boundaries as it pertains to that, where we can go with it. You got to be raw when you're getting your out there. You do. And it's, it's amazing because I think in life, I mean, especially with social media that makes us feel like everyone's got the best hair every day, the best yeah. looking meal, the best looking friends, the best looking, you know, weather, everything's the best. Um, yeah. You know, we've, we've got this sort of sense of, well, we can't be mediocre. And I think that that's, unfortunate um and it's the same with conversations you know i mean at the end of the day we can talk about the weather and that's the end of that or we can talk about things that matter which i think is how people end up saying i feel like i've known you forever and it's because you're talking about something that has meaning and those kind of conversations happen when you don't care about what the other person thinks about what you have to say or what they're going to judgment and that kind of thing and um you know it's same with music you know if, if you can write a song that has that level of emotion in it that uh, that people can insert themselves into that lyric or into that music then you've got a hit on your hands so it's the same kind of thing with a book i love that you said about the 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 comparisons and stuff because you know i make a new year's resolution two of them every year and i did it since 09 and basically it's like one make someone smile every single day period that that's the first one second one is Unless I've hurt you, disrespected you, or anything bad to you in any way, I give zero shits about what you think about me, period. And that's where my story really started coming out from back then once I didn't care so much what people thought of me, as long as I didn't hurt them in any way. And there was people along the way that I did hurt, and I worked through apologies and, and discussions and stuff like that. So thank you for saying that about the comparisons. And so, Aaron, have you seen the movie Back to the Future? Oh, man, have I ever. <laughs> awesome. So let's get in that DeLorean with Marty McFly. Let's go back to maybe the 20-year-old Aaron, okay? What kind of knowledge nuggets would you drop on him? Not so much change anything, because your journey sounds pretty yeah, yeah. But maybe to help him shorten his learning curve, maybe level up just a little bit quicker. Well, I think there's a few things. So when I was 20... A week, well, a week after I was, I turned 19, I climbed the highest mountain in the world outside of Asia, mm-hmm. which was one of the seven summits. And that was a life-changing experience. And wow. in retrospect, you know, the, the, and I'm not saying this about myself, I'm just stating it as an experience. Um, but the level of, you know, requirements of mental toughness, physical toughness, you know, really your body and mind are pushed to the max in those kind of situations. And I think that, when it came to getting into business, I started my first company in, in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually, now think about it, I was, I was suffering with pretty bad panic attacks when I was 20. Right. Um, and so I think it was this weird thing of this super tough mental person and you know physically fit person coupled with you know getting these panic attacks and then being sort of extremely driven um, and wanting to make sure I was going to do business in music, or better said, make music my business. Um, and yet I didn't have the confidence in myself to value myself and realize that you can have a million jobs, but just one life. And so when you give your time away, that you should really value that time. 
And so in my case, if I was to go back in the DeLorean, which would be just awesome in itself, um, I've got the music in my head now. Um, <laughs> I, I would, I would, I would actually tell, I would tell myself exactly what my dad told me a few years later. And that is that, you know, don't give up. What you're doing is incredibly valuable. Um, you're not charging enough for it, <laughs> but just, just don't give up and believe in yourself. Because my dad, and I'll, and I'll give you a brief story. Um, I talked about how musicians are told get a real job. It's a hobby when they get older. Mm-hmm. And I was pursuing business and I was making trips to Nashville and I was going to LA and places like that. And it was a particular early trip to Nashville. And I'd managed to end up having beers and burgers with the uh, president of Warner. And at the time I was still not really making any much in the way of money. Mm -hmm. Um, And so consequently I had to take on quite a few jobs with different clients in order to make things work. Mm -hmm. And I took that trip with my dad up to Nashville and he said to me on the way back when he realized what I'd been doing there, he said, man, I could never have done that at your age, walk into a room like that with those kind of people. He says, you, you know, you, you got to keep doing this. This is what you're meant to do. And this is something that you should never give up. And you're worth this. Like, you know, you need to make sure that this is what you do. I got home from that trip and I went from charging people hundreds of bucks to the very first client was 4,000. The next client, this is in a period of 30 days. 12000 and the next time $21,000, all yeah. for the exact same service yeah. and no difference, just a difference in price, all because it was said so to me. Um, of course, it came from my dad, and that was a, probably an a important person telling me at that time, but if I was in the DeLorean, I would tell that to myself at the age of 20. I love it, dude. That's, that's fantastic to know your value. That's, that's awesome. So and charge for your value, too. I had the hard time with, with coaching when I first started coaching. You know, be like, oh, so- 150 an hour, you know, and now it's, you know, five figures a month and it's, you know, per client. And it's a, uh, it, I was living kind of, I felt like an imposter syndrome in a sense, just because Absolutely, I didn't man. my own value. But then as things moved along, thank you for saying that your dad's a wise man, brother. So <laughs> let me, how do you want your dash remembered that? You know, your little lining between your incarnation date and your expiration date. And your life date and your death date. Hopefully, it's a long way down the line. But how yeah. does Aaron want his dad? Well, I like the idea that people remember me as someone who has wanted to help others. I, to a detriment, I've put others before myself, mm. and I think that you know when we die, it it can not take very long to be forgotten. And so I think the, the big thing is to make impacts that last. I mean, that's actually part of when, when we do a book, we'll tell people, you know, it's, it's a way of securing your legacy forward. But in, in my case, I, I'd, I'd like to think that I've, I've helped people and I've helped hopefully, you know, make a small positive impact on the planet that I've had an amazing experience on so far. Yeah, you, you are. I mean, you're basically planting trees. You're not going to really sit in the shade of just, you know, you're getting it out there. You're building that legacy. And it's awesome with this discussion. So what are three things then that Aaron can't live without? <laughs> other than anything electronical? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that part. Well, I would have a very hard time if I wasn't able to play my instrument. Yeah, um, say, that bro. would be difficult. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I have become extremely engaged and uh, practice a pr- practitioner of meditation and um, ended up spending a bunch of my time living with monks. And I, 
I would be very uh, lacking in my life experience if I didn't have meditation. Mm. Um, and I have to say that I have, I'm a dad, so it's go. probably the first thing I couldn't live without. It would be sure. my kids. I mean, my family are first and foremost to me. Fantastic. I have like kind of looked at you a little bit on social, and it's just the snowshoeing picture. <laughs> that stuff just looks fun. I can do without the snow for me myself. Hey, I'm man. from Michigan, though. So, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I get yeah. it, but I live in Florida now, so I kind of left that behind. So, then, Aaron, what is your definition of a life well lived, brother? Well, I think that a life well lived is being present in every moment. And when you are present in every moment, you have the ability to see the beauty and experience the joy that we have of the experience of life. And if we're not in the present moment, we lose that. So I would say be here now. Dude, that, that's awesome. Because I mean, so many people have a foot in the, the, the past, a foot in the future, and they piss all over the present, man. You know what I'm saying? So I love, I love that you said that. Time to shine today, Podcast Varsity Squad. We're back. And Aaron, one day we're going to hook up and we're going to have a nice conversation and talk through these. But you got five seconds to answer them with okay. no explanations this time around. All right? All right. All right. Let's level up. Aaron, what's the best leveling up advice you've ever received? I'm going to give you two. Be here now. And you have one life to live. You can have a million jobs. So make sure that when you spend time on something that it's really worth it. Love it. Share that passion. Beautiful. Share one of your personal habits that contributes to your success. I would say it's my morning routine that includes um, having a cold shower and meditation and being able to work through my journal um, and my planner so that I can create what I want to happen moving Beautiful. forward in the day. Beautiful. So you see me, I'm kind of walking down the street. Like Fergie looks like it is. He's in his doldrums. Outside of your book, Reality and the Positive Power Perspective, what book might you hand me? Oh, my goodness. Um, Quickly, let's go. Yes. Uh, you have a bazillion of them behind you. I do. I've got a bazillion behind me. Um, which would I recommend? Uh, you know what? I read The Untethered Soul like recently. Oh. I, I was not going to read it because I was like, what's with the horse on the beach? I called it The Untethered Horse. Yeah. I read the thing. I'm like, man, that's good. a great book. Read that good book. Shit. You'll feel good. Com most common used emoji when you text? Uh, I would definitely say the smiley face. Nice. Nicknames growing up? Mm, no nicknames. Maybe Airhead, which isn't a great one. but uh, <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Double A, Ron. You know. Chess checkers or Monopoly? Chess. Awesome. Go-to ice cream flavor? Chocolate. Beautiful. There's a sandwich named the Bethune. What's on that sandwich? Well, I lived in Spain for many years, and they have a sandwich that's called a tortilla de patatas, um, and that is basically potatoes and eggs inside of bread, believe it or not. It's Beautiful. amazing. <laughs> Beautiful. Favorite charity and organization you like to give your time or money to? I worked for quite a few years with the uh, St. Cecilia Foundation that are giving to the arts in the Delta in Mississippi, and I think they're doing an amazing job. Excellent. Last question, and I've been waiting to ask you this one. And you can elaborate on this one here, but what is the best decade of music, 60s, 70s, 80s, or 90s? <laughs> well, 
I would probably pick the 70s, but they all have amazing things about them. They all have a defined sound that you can recognize. The 80s have definitely been making their way back into popular music these days. Um, I started listening to, when I was about five, all I wanted was Elvis Presley records, and I ended up getting to with a bunch of Elvis's guys. Um, but I, uh, so I, I went from the fifties up to producing music with other people into the two thousands. So I would wow. say every, every decade has something, but if I picked it of the ones you just gave me, I would say the seventies. Beautiful. And how old are you? Aaron, if you don't mind saying. I am 41 years old. Wow. Dude, don't look <laughs> near it. Yeah. We look good. I'm 50. You're 41. We kind of came up with the sound. Well, if I can look like you look at 50, man, uh, you <laughs> know, going know. on 50, I'm going to be doing well. Thank you. Like, like the 80s for me, just because I graduated in 1990, right? It was yeah, kind of like my jam and, and like so much happened within that, you know, time frame from the invasions from Ireland with you 2 and, you know, Duran Duran and, you know, Men at Work and all that big hair, don't care, glam yeah. rock. You know, it's just there's so much that happened in the 80s. But if I'm chilling, it's the 70s. I have, a, you know, everything you know, from Rochi to the Eagles to... You know, stuff like that. So. You know what? The 80s, the 80s was like the the virtuosos came back. You know, you've got Paganini and on the violin way back when. Yeah. And then you got Eddie Van Halen in the 80s. And personally, like on a personal like guitar player note, like I, I got really into the sort of shredder music, big hair. I absolutely love that stuff. Um, but I find that the biggest thing that has been valuable for me studying, you know, the different decades of music is – you know, people talk about musical notation as being this language for musicians to communicate with, and I agree. Sure. But when you're in the studio and you're producing some, you know, some band artist, whatever it might be, or you're you're recording your own music, it is so huge and so valuable to be able to say, um, think like the edge. You know, and maybe you 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 think of a particular song, and you go, okay, think up, think like that, and let's try and bring that energy out. And if you've studied enough music you know exactly that, you know, what sort of strumming is happening, the sort of the effects that are being played. And so those kind of things, it becomes the real language. So for me, the 80s, it's all the synth, it's the drum sounds. Yeah. It's all these things that if you want something to sound like the 80s, I know what that is, right? And yeah. so that's the useful part, but it'd be hard, man. Like every yeah. every era has amazing music. Yeah, Come it, on. It, like the, <laughs> yo, absolutely. You know more about it than I do. But with regards to... Like songs these days, they're coming out. You know how many hooks are from the eighties? It's crazy. Like Pitbull has "Aha's Take on Me" in, in one yep. of his songs. Flo Rider has "Round Round." I mean, everybody absolutely kind of, to me kind of steals from the eighties. You know, they have. And if so. if you look at that, like I mean, you know, we started sampling music in the eighties, and actually even slightly before that. But the point is, is that um, we're I'm seeing more than ever music references happening i mean people have said for a long time there is no new music but what i'm seeing is and this is a whole other conversation for another day but you know when when um when radio was taken away from local programming Mm -hmm. you know you had the detroit sound and then you know clear channel comes along and basically programs from headquarters and decides what the entire country is going to listen to and you know in that sense i think there's a lot of music that is starting to I mean, you can see it. There's all these songs that are overlapped, overlaid, sure, and you can absolutely. see the same progression, the same thing. Yeah. And it's it's this weird thing about data. And you and I were talking a little bit about data before we got on this call. And the fact is, is that it feels like data is now indicating what makes a hit. And the weird thing about that, and this is the thing that blows my mind to some degree, is, okay, so if I look at the data of what makes a hit, 
and I decide I'm going to write a song with elements that the data proves to be a hit, sure. then what I'm doing is I'm looking at the past to create what sure. that hit was, but that hit was because it stood out because it wasn't like what came before it. Right. So now we're going into to the past to create what we think is going to be a hit next. When, when in reality, I think what we need to be doing is creating music that's not like we've already seen and heard, sure. so that we have an air of music of our own, yeah. and that we can look at how that's going to influence people moving forward. Because you know, you too definitely has been an influence on people like sure. Coldplay and their sound and that keeps going but if we start looking the back in a, into the right. to the data it's a bit of a weird way to get inspired i find yeah. but anyways absolutely yeah. don't get Especially me started on the artist yeah <laughs> we got to kind of cut it off there cuz we got to wrap it up a little yeah, bit but i 100% agree with you so how can we find you Aaron uh www.aaronbethune.com or at www.wewritestories.com I love it. And squad it. I'm going to put everything into the show notes uh, from Aaron. If you're looking to get your voice heard, looking to get known um, and get that interesting story, that even if you don't feel like it's interesting, I'd love, love, love to make a warm introduction to Aaron, who started at four years old, you know, playing the piano. Instead of being Beethoven, he wanted to maybe move into the Randy Rhodes and, and start shredding his guitar. And he, he took his passion. You know, and he, he made it into really wanting to be involved in helping people develop, you know, because a lot of people will drift away from their passions towards the fiscalness. That's my word for the day uh, with their decisions. So Aaron can really help you ground and his team can really help you find that story that's within you and really have positive comparisons that are out there. Not comparing yourself to others. Be authentic. Know where you're at. Understand your value. You know, and understand that, you know, he's going to, his squad will help you, encourage you to provide a space for vulnerability also, because a lot of people, you have to be vulnerable really to get that story out. And his team, he wears kid gloves sometimes, maybe not sometimes, to really help you get that story out. You know, don't ever give up really on what your passions are. Aaron reminded us, you know, understand that you have value to, if you're in a business, charge enough, charge what your value is, have that confidence in yourself. He's remembered somebody as someone that helped others. Again, he plants trees now that he won't sit in the shade of, and he's going to continue to collaborate and be creative and help you in that sense as well. You know, he wants you to be present every moment because it gives you the ability to see beauty and experience life as it's meant to be experienced. And Aaron, you level up your health, you level up your wealth, you're humble, yet you're hungry. And I'm so blessed that we are connected and I can't wait to collaborate in the future, my friend. Man, I appreciate you. And I have to say those were some awesome notes. Awesome. I <laughs> wish I could do that. Love you guys, brother. I'll chat soon. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Time to Shine Today podcast. Probably brought to you by Sutter and Nugent Real Estate real estate excellence, who can be reached at 561-249-7266 and online at www.sutterandnugent.com. If you are a business owner or professional who would like to be interviewed on Time to Shine Today, please visit timetoshinetoday.com slash guest. If you like this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a link in the show notes to our website. Also, there you will see our recommended resources. We hope that you will support our show by supporting them. If you like what you've been listening to, it'd be great if you could just give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe while you're at it. I'm your host, Scott Ferguson, and until next time, let's level up. It's our time to shine.